Hello and welcome to the Leaders in Tech and E-Commerce Podcast. I'm your host, Kyler, from Alcock Global Executive Search. Our mission is to connect professionals in the tech and e-commerce ecosystem in Asia by bringing forward some of the most interesting stories from the leaders in the industry. I'm happy to have you with us, Charles Dibuno, the Group CEO of Intrepid Group Asia. Intrepid Group Asia is a 3 years old company that manages e-commerce presence for international brands on major e-commerce platforms such as Lazada, Shopee, across Southeast Asia. Prior to this, Charles is also the co-founder and chief marketing officer at Lazada Group, which he had been with since his early inception days as the co-founder of Lazada Vietnam. Charles eventually took on the chief marketing officer role at Lazada Group and is taking care of its marketing activities across Southeast Asia until August 2018. Hello Charles, it's good to have you here with us today. My pleasure. Great. So maybe you can start with an introduction of yourself so that our audience can get to know you as well. Sure. Um, sure. So uh, Charles, um, I'm originally from France. I've uh, been in the region in Southeast Asia for the last eight years now. Uh, I first came into the region uh, via Vietnam, then uh, lived in Thailand and now Singapore. And pretty much the, the last uh, eight years uh, until Corona hit, I was uh, on the plane every week uh, between uh, all of the Southeast Asian countries. I've, uh, uh, I came to the region to, to be part of the founding team of Lazada. So I've been lucky to have witnessed the amazing evolution of uh, the e-commerce market uh, in Southeast Asia and uh, to be part of the big milestone, which was the entry of Alibaba into the region in 2016 when Alibaba acquired Lazada. And uh, the, the first year, year and a half after uh, Alibaba acquired Lazada, I uh, was fortunate to go to China every month or every other month and meet with uh, many executives at Alibaba that really opened their books and, and showed us how um, e-commerce was run in China. And that was a major eye-opener. Um, and uh, this is... Uh, uh, what led me to my uh, current role, uh, which is uh, CEO of uh, Intrepid Group, uh, where we help companies to manage their e-commerce presence across the major e-commerce platforms like Lazada, Shopee, etc. in Southeast Asia. And uh, what our company does is very much inspired by uh, what they call the TP model, uh, which was created in China. Uh, what it means in practice is we uh, help uh, global brands run their store front end uh, on the e-commerce platforms. Uh, we offer digital marketing services, data services tailored to e-commerce, uh, and we manage the fulfillment of the orders uh, via our third-party partners. Um, so we have uh, operations, uh, um, well, we started in Vietnam actually, but now we have operations in Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, Singapore, Thailand, and Vietnam. Uh, so uh, across the main, uh, the larger Southeast Asian markets. Great. So maybe we could start the podcast by discussing a little bit about the marketplaces. So many people had actually shared the uh, concern about the marketplaces, profitability, as well as a uh, customer acquisition strategy. So as a senior leader prior to this uh, within the marketplace space, right? Uh, how do you see this going? Uh, sure. Um, uh, I think... The, the, a lot of people say from the investor side that e-commerce is an industry where uh, companies burn a lot of money. Um, but I think it's actually an industry where you have a very proven path to profitability. Uh, you have very profitable models in China with Alibaba um, and in the US or Europe with Amazon. And I think one of the um, dimensions that is often not um, understood well or taken into account 
um, is a high monetization avenue via digital marketing. Because uh, these e-commerce platforms can make money via the transactions uh, that happen on their platform, but they can also become a very attractive place for advertisers to promote their products. And uh, they can capture a significant share of the overall digital marketing ad spend. Uh, so that's something that um, is a um, I think Alibaba pioneered uh, in, in China. Uh, they represent a big chunk of the overall digital ad spend um, in markets. And Amazon has been accelerating in that in that front over the last three years. Uh, so now it's a ten to fifteen billion dollar uh, revenue for for Amazon. So from the um, for the e-commerce platforms, yes, it is a, a scale game. But once they acquire the scale, and so they need to. Um, spend money to attract users, improve their service, etc. But once they acquire the scale, um, there's a clear path to profitability. Well, this is actually a very interesting point. Um, for any audience that is not so familiar with Alibaba, right? There is a advertising arm of Alibaba that's called Alimama. And uh, I remember reading an article some years ago that uh, mentioned Alimama actually accounts to quite a large number of uh, Alibaba's revenue. Um, Charles, so do you think this is possible for Southeast Asia's platform as well, given that the demographic is so different from China? Well, it's a, it's a different uh, environment altogether. Here in digital marketing, you know, Facebook and, and Google have strong foothold. Um, but uh, e-commerce re- remains and, and will, you know, a, a very attractive channel for advertisers to uh, advertise their products. That's where uh, you have the best audiences because you you know exactly what people buy or what they browse. Um, you have the best context you can advertise while people are, have the mindset to buy, uh, and you have full visibility on um, on the performance, what happens, what who clicks on what, etc. Which means that um, by definition, it's a really attractive place to uh, to advertise. Hence, I think there will be a similar um, path than we've seen in China or or the U.S. and Europe. Um, so maybe not as rapid as in China, but um, similar trend, I think. Good point. So talking about trends and given the fact that the e-commerce industry is estimated to reach $100 billion by 2025, and good thing for us is that we are seated here within the fastest growing region in the world, right? What are the key trends that you are seeing here and what can we expect in the near future to come? Sure. Um, first, the... The projection for 2025 uh, e-commerce uh, industry have actually been revised recently by the Google Temasek Bain uh, study. They revised it from 100 billion to 150 billion. Uh, so in one year, they increased their projection by wow. 50%. Um, so it is, a, it is, I would say, a, yeah, the the, uh, the hockey stick moment for the industry, if you want to say. Uh, I think there's. Uh, a few uh, a few dimensions uh, I would look at. So first, on the platform side, so um, you know uh, we've uh, more and more platforms um, growing since 2015, 16. Right before when I started with Lazada, Lazada was the main uh, platform across the region, and, and uh, uh, in 2016, 17, 18, you started to have more and more um, players uh, growing fast. So you had. Uh, Tokopedia, Bukalapa, Xendo, Tiki, uh, etc. And um, I think uh, at some point, and now you also have uh, social commerce that's been uh, growing force uh, with Facebook and Instagram. Um, I, I think that uh, we're going towards um, some form of consolidation over the next uh, three to five years. Um, again, 
looking at it from a consumer standpoint, uh, I think they will have a handful of apps of the, on their phones. So probably um, uh, there will be uh, Lazada, Shopee, uh, maybe another uh, local uh, player. So in, in Vietnam, for example, uh, there's um, Sendo and Tiki are, are, are supposed to, uh, to merge uh, somehow. And, uh, yeah, and maybe Facebook and Instagram. So I think that's a uh, first trend, which is consolidation, um, for the, for the platform. Um, and there, uh, they're adopting the, the China's learnings, uh, and giving more and more tools for, for sellers or brands to interact with the consumers. Uh, here, their challenge is not to go too fast and to make sure that the brands are, are following and leveraging all the tools at their disposal. Um, but that's a, you know, very exciting, uh, development. Um, then for the, the sellers or, or the brands in particular, there's still a lot to go after. We're still in very early innings. Um, if, you, if you look at how brands have been approaching these e-commerce platforms, um, in, before 2016, very few brands dared to, uh, uh, to go to e-commerce. Uh, so it's pretty recent. Uh, in 2016, 17, you started to have some mass brands. Um, and um things have been changing rapidly again so um since uh, last year and and even more this year we start to have more and more premium brands or niche brands that are coming on board um you know uh the the i think within the you know two three years probably all of the brands you see uh you're, you're you know or will be on these platforms then the, you've seen that the early adopters have really increased their investments on these platforms. Uh, and, and again, it goes to these topic of reaching psychological threshold of 5, 10, 20% of your overall sales. Uh, then they invest more and more resources onto these, uh, these platforms. Uh, then if you look more on the seller side, uh, so not the brand side, but the seller side, uh, you have a, a long tail of sellers that are not really educated about e-commerce. They don't really know um, how to... Uh, leverage all the different tools yet, but are really eager to turn their hobby, their hobbies into actual businesses. And so you see more and more success stories of uh, people that started in their garage and selling uh, products that they imported from China or products that were produced locally next to their homes and started selling on Lazada and then, um, you know, trial and error, trial and error, and then start to hire one, two, five, 50 people. Uh, so you see a lot more of these, and I think that's going to continue to, uh, uh, to expand, I think in, in China, you have a lot of these uh, Taobao millionaires that uh, started from nothing and turned into a really large businesses. I think another dimension to look at in terms of trends. Uh, so I think I talked about uh, consolidation of platforms and the how the platforms are be- becoming increasingly complex, increasingly uh, engaging for consumers and brands. Second is the adoption from, from brands and sellers. Um, the third one, I think, which could be a disruptive force uh, in this is uh, cross-border e-commerce. And so you have um, a lot of brands or sellers, especially Chinese brands, uh, that have a very strong know-how uh, on how to sell in online and have a very strong confidence in the model based on their experience in, in back home. And so um, they're coming in with very aggressive uh, investments and uh, they know that it pays off to pay to invest heavily ahead of the curve um, and so we see that uh, these brands are actually growing faster than a lot of other global brands. Uh, and I think that's very interesting because they basically have, uh, uh, what, uh, 10 plus years of uh, learning in, in, in China. And 
they're coming in much more aggressive than uh, local or global brands. And uh, I think that could be a very interesting disruptive force to, to see. So the question is, will global brands uh, adapt and uh, compete with them? Um, or will these brands um, completely outpace uh, global brands? Uh, so that's an interesting uh, development. We're still, again, in the early innings of that because the conditions for cross-border to really compete um, are still being, I would say, uh, are still work in progress. Uh, especially the, the shipping time of cross-border orders is still behind, significantly behind uh, local fulfillment, local uh, the lead time when you buy locally. Uh, but it's improved, it's improved tremendously in the last two, three years. Um, so again, within a year or two, it'll be close enough that it won't make such a difference for, for consumers to buy from um, local suppliers or from uh, abroad. Thanks for sharing. So talking about this topic of brand adoption, and there has always been a debate of brand.com versus marketplace channel, right? What is your take on this topic and what advice do you have for brands that are still in the process of figuring out? Well, um, I think actually this is evolving quite rapidly. I think uh, more and more brands see um, that uh, uh, these e-commerce platforms present such a big uh, opportunity that they really cannot miss. And if you look at the, the consumer behavior in Southeast Asia, most of the, the transactions, uh, probably 90% of the transactions on e-commerce happen via apps. Uh, so not individual sites, but apps. Um, and if you think about it, uh, consumers will not have on their phone the individual app for every single brand. Um, it's more likely that they have a handful of apps that they regularly go back to. Um, and so uh, uh, in that regard, I think very few brands um, can uh, have a, a very successful, uh, I would say, brand.com. Um, if it's well executed and it uh, uh, goes well with a, a strong brand presence already um, and you have a specific value proposition for your brand.com, um, it can be a, a very interesting uh, complementary channel. Um, for most brands, the, 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 the pie on the e-commerce platform is, is so much bigger. And that also has to do with, you know, the, um, the, the uh, seven, eight years that uh, these big e-commerce platforms have been investing in um, acquiring uh, a large base of users, uh, a very efficient uh, logistics uh, footprint, uh, payment uh, solutions, uh, which is very hard to replicate for an individual brand, especially as uh, these are platforms whereby the, um, uh, which are basically run by algorithms. And the more uh, data signals you um, uh, give to the algorithms, the higher you rank uh, on these uh, platforms. So the earlier you go in and the earlier you build a customer base, a happy customer base, um, then uh, the, the better your chances are to, to have a long-term profitable business. So I think there is uh, an element of um, upfront investment uh, which will pay off uh, long-term. And I think um, it's very easy to convince um, such brands because you have uh, living examples in China. And, and so it's pretty uh, um, simple to, to um, uh, make the argument. I think uh, you look at the, the share of the, their retail that comes from uh, from e-commerce in China, for a lot of brands, it's uh, 50%, 30%, 70%. Um, here in the region, it's much. We're much earlier. 
Um, but in the last two years, things have been evolving really fast. In the last two years, it's hard to have brands that are hitting 5%, 7%, 10%, some even 20%. Um, so once you start to hit these psychological thresholds, um, then brands really uh, start to uh, double down on their investment in e-commerce. Thanks for sharing. So we're at this point where uh, more and more brands are investing online and expanding online as well. So that will result in a very competitive space online right now. And as a marketing expert yourself, uh, what advice do we have for our listeners here? Yes, so um, I think we're really at the very beginning of a technology shift uh, in the digital marketing landscape in Southeast Asia. So um, historically, most of the spend have been on, on Facebook and Google. Um, and um, I think the, the advertising on the e-commerce platforms uh, will become a much larger share than it is today. Uh, and so here, uh, same thing, there's an early mover advantage. There will be uh, uh, opportunities to buy uh, cheap CPCs uh, at the beginning. And then as competition int- intensifies, uh, it will less be the case. So here again, there's a, there's a topic of being an early adopter of these, uh, these tools. And, and here, I think one of the uh, challenges for brands and uh, in all transparency, that's also why we, we're going to that space, is a lot of the traditional agencies um, are not really equipped uh, to service them well uh, in that space. So the reason why uh, we can add a lot of value is, uh, well, we know how the, um, how the platforms work and we can integrate uh, your commercial strategy on the e-commerce platforms together with your digital marketing. And uh, everything we do is uh, optimized for ROI. So again, on the e-commerce platforms, you have the best targeting options, you have the best context, um, you have the best measurability, and of course you have the best performance because you're the lowest in the funnel. Um, so these are, for advertisers, these are channels that just, just make sense. Uh, it's, it's you know pretty obvious places to, to advertise. Now it's finding again the right partner, um, to uh, use this channel the best way possible. Again, with an early mover advantage. Uh, so that's why we've set up a, a strong uh, digital marketing capabilities, uh, heavy on tech to uh, be able to uh, automate a lot of the bidding optimization, targeting optimization, uh, reporting to have full transparency for our clients. Thank you for sharing with us. So following our flow of um, saying that there will be a shift in the digital landscape of uh, Southeast Asia, and we all know that the hottest topic in town right now is COVID-19, right? Um, could you share with us what impact of this crisis have you um, noticed so far in the industry? Sure. Um, so it's been very interesting because there's different, I would say, uh, conflicting um, impacts, uh, which in the end produces a um, very different impacts for different categories of products. So, of course, you have categories like groceries or essentials or work from home related categories that have been skyrocketing. Then um, uh, there have been some uh, other uh, trends that have impacted negatively. So, for example, uh, because of the economic uncertainty, uh, there's a reduction in uh, uh, discretionary uh, expenses. Also, there's been a, a lot of supply chain issues uh, and a lot of the sellers in the region uh, get their supplies uh, from China. Uh, and so they've had difficulties to bring in the products. Then you have some countries that also adopted some uh, very uh, restrictive measures uh, also for e-commerce. So the Philippines, for example, they restricted e-commerce to uh, only essentials categories. 
So there was no delivery made for uh, anything that's not uh, groceries or, or directly essential uh, essential categories. So these have been uh, kind of the the, the two uh, types of forces. Now, if you take a step back, it's a gigantic boost for the for the industry overall. If you look at it from an inter perspective, why the one of the big and costly challenge for these e-commerce platforms is to get more and more users to not only come on their platform, not only buy, but also buy repeatedly so they start to form habits. And um, because COVID has been uh, such a widespread, has such a widespread impact and such a long impact for several weeks in a row, uh, you have a lot of people that had never bought online that not only bought once, but bought repeatedly. And so uh, within a, a couple of months, the platforms have been able to uh, acquire a lot of new users and a lot of new engaged users. So this is, um, a, this is going to be a massive boost um, long-term for the, for the industry. Uh, so, so I think ironically or, or cynically, it's actually, uh, uh, I think, uh, uh, yeah, a strong propellant for, for, the, for the industry. Right. I think all of us can agree that uh, this current situation gave uh, our industry really a big push, right? Following my next point as well, um, as the CEO of Intrepid Group Asia, I'm sure you're receiving many requests from brand owners uh, given the huge hit on the offline retail side, right? So can you share with us uh, what are some brands doing to curb the COVID crisis as well? Yeah, I mean, I think for... Um, the, the main thing that comes to mind for me has been a wake-up wake call um, for the brands and retailers that were not yet digitized or not yet leveraging these online channels to their full potential. Uh, I think they realized that, uh, uh, I mean, their offline sales have been uh, obviously uh, heavily hit. Uh, also, uh, there's this uh, apprehension that it could happen again. Hence, they need to uh, uh, rapidly seize the full potential of these online channels. Uh, so, so I think that's been the, the, the main thing. So uh, a lot of the question is how can they uh, transition fast? And I think uh, we know that e-commerce is going to, to become a larger and larger share uh, of, uh, of overall retail. Uh, we have you know, examples around the world and there's no fundamental condition or parameter in the region that would go against that. Uh, I think it's just a wake-up call, an acceleration from, from the brand side to, to um uh, invest into e-commerce. Right. <laughs> we always joke about the actual person who drove digital transformation is actually COVID-19, right? <laughs> yeah, I've seen this one. It's a very funny one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So how about an advice, Charles? Uh, like, is there an advice that you can give us for this situation here? Um, I don't know what kind of... Uh, it's a very broad question. I don't know what kind of advice I can give in general to people and I don't know if I'm qualified to do, to do that. Uh, but maybe one thing I could say is uh, for for those that have a that are impacted by this crisis and have slower business at the moment, uh, obviously it's uh, uh, where you need to uh, focus on your core and focus on improving quality of your products and services, uh, so that when the brighter days come, you can uh, hit harder. I think uh, uh, it's a rare opportunity in a way to uh, take the time to work on the things that we never have time to work on and we know we should work on. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and for some brands, it also means, so I don't want to always repeat the same thing, but for some brands, it also means that uh, if they haven't spent enough time uh, on their e-commerce strategy, it's also the time to, uh, to rethink and, and uh, see 
um, how does this uh, complement their, their overall business and what needs to be done, not just to be present, but to um, be among the best in their category. Because uh, it is, uh, you know, a competitive and a increasingly competitive marketplace in a way. And, um, and so uh, uh, being present is not enough. It's, uh, it's about being present in the best way possible, uh, showcase your brand in the best way possible, um, find the right ways to interact with consumers, to attract them, to re-engage them, um, to, to have a, a happy and engaging and engaged sorry, customer base. I fully agree on that as well, actually. And, and as you mentioned, this situation gave us the opportunity to do things differently and sharpen, uh, sharpen the knife for the better times to come, right? So, Charles, thanks for sharing and it's really a pleasure to have you here with us today. Sure. Um, no, I think thank you for the opportunity. Again, I've been, I'm fascinated by the e-commerce industry in general. Uh, I've been lucky to be at the heart of it uh, for uh, six plus years and uh, now to uh, help uh, global brands to uh, see the full potential uh, in this industry. And it's, uh, it's, it's changing at a very rapid pace. And so uh, we're you know, eager to uh, accompany uh, uh, companies that want to uh, jump on the bandwagon and, and uh, really stand out in the e-commerce marketplaces. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For all the show notes and information discussed in this episode, please follow alcoglobal.com slash podcast. Also, if you found this interesting, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify or Stitcher or one of the podcast platforms. We are looking forward to your feedback.